from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Well, good morning, security gang. A day after Yom Kippur, a day where I wasn't plugged in at all. And luckily, some people actually listened to my post on Sunday and nothing major really happened. Well, some stuff, but nothing really major. Nothing that would have been like, oh, gosh, there was no show yesterday. Being that I am on the road because I did have to travel for work on Yom Kippur. And I spent the day with a different shul than the one I typically go to, which was very fun. Meeting new people is always a, a fun time. Uh, especially when you're fasting for 25 hours. It tends to make for interesting conversations. With that being said, though, good morning to y'all. I don't have my traditional espresso, and I'm going to get right into the show. Join me for our traditional coffee cup cheers with whatever it is that you're drinking this morning, and let's get the ball rolling because we've got a hoozy and a woozy for all y'all this morning. We're going to start off with this Xenomorph Banking Trojan, which is a new Android banking Trojan variant that's setting its sight on at least 35 U.S. financial institutions. The campaign, according to Thread Fabric, leverages phishing web pages that are designed to entice victims and in installing malicious Android apps that target a broader list of apps than its predecessor. These have been used before in Spain, Canada, Italy, and Belgium. It's now set its eyes on these great states of the United States. While another variant of this banking Trojan is known as Alien, it first emerged in 2022, what we're seeing now is a straight move towards the uh, uh, victimizing owners of major bank accounts in the United States. And these were typically often seen in Europe and very rarely seen in the United States. However, now that they're actually making the move and targeting U.S.-based operators, there's a few things to keep in mind here. One, they're trying to do credential theft. So one way to secure your, your, your personal bank account, if you haven't done so yet, is MFA. Most banks allow you to do an MFA. Use an app MFA, not a text. So you eliminate the SIM swap angle of attack, which is becoming easier, especially if you're a T-Mobile customer. So there's that. Second thing to do, only download apps that the user, the, the company that made them, is the bank that you're trying to get. No bank pays a third party to create an app for their bank account. None. They do. They use them as contractors on the back end, but none of them publish an app for a bank saying, hi, this is company X. We've owned the app for company Y, for bank Y. Doesn't happen, won't happen, not, not, not in these United States, not with the regulatory oversight, not with the risk factor that goes with that. That's just not a thing. Uh, and, 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 and final one, if it's too, if the app seems too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. All banking apps mostly, predominantly suck. So <laughs> just keep that in mind here. And that this is a great way to, to kind of take those three things. We'll put them out later today, hopefully. Uh, and you guys can share them uh, with your team. Sony, for their end, are now investigating a cybercrime group that's claiming to have compromised the company's system offering to sell stolen data. The Japanese electronics and entertainment giant has said that it's currently investigating the situation and they have no comment. The probe was launched after a relatively new ransomware group named Ransomed VC listed Sony on its stored website claiming to have compromised all of Sony's systems. We want ransom there. We'll sell the data due to Sony not wanting to pay. Data is for sale, apparently. The cyber criminals have provided several files in an effort to demonstrate their claims, including some Java files and screenshots. 
apparently showing access to source code and application associated with Sony's creator cloud media production solution. A PowerPoint slideshow's market confidential appears to show Sony's quality department, but it's dated 2017, meaning this could have been just some random files they found somewhere from, from six, seven years ago. Um, on the same day announced, Sony as a target ransomed VC is also listed Japanese mobile phone operator NTT Ducamo as an additional victim on its website. So these guys kind of got into the scene. Here's the thing about this. If you're not doing it, threat intel, meaning if you're finding out through news source, if your feeds, if your if your threat intel team isn't finding out that people are selling your data online, if you're finding this out through third parties, you have significant issues in your security program, right? The number one thing you want to have eyes and ears on is what someone else is putting about you on the internet so that you can address it right off the bat. You can address it in several different ways. There's creative ways to do these as practitioners. I can go buy the data to validate whether the data is real or not, then go to my risk, go to my board, and just say, hey, you're going to see this. Someone's going to try to play up on it. It's nothing. Go to H, go to go to PR. Make sure PR and marketing actually know that this is nothing. It's a whole nothing burger, and get rid of it. Not get rid of it, but but be able to say we've uh, looked into these claims, and these claims appear to be false. There's nothing there. Thank you very much. See you later. Goodbye. Sometimes, by the way, you'll see ransomware groups actually do this in order to tank a stock because they're shorting the price of the stock. So you'll see a, a, a short enter the market two to three days before this happens. Some people short the stock. They make their money. They walk away, and it's all just a big nothing burger. That's another aspect to this from these threat actors. So there's something to be said there. What in your threat intel needs to be on point. Number two, you've got to be able to know how to operate in the background. And number three, what you really have to be able to do here when you're getting cases like this is not panic, Right. And not look at it and go, well, did we? And just because something that they release is from 2017 doesn't mean they don't have something from 2023. Sifting through data is very important. Putting out important data as a, as a, as a teaser is not a good thing either. They don't want to do that. Or if they're going to do that, they're only going to do it because they're ransoming the company. Here, they're not trying to do that. They're trying to sell data. They're being data brokers, stolen data brokers. And so that's a different approach than ransom VC than a traditional ransomware operator would take. And that's where the confusion here lies. And I think that's where Sony's playbook may be a bit out of date. But nonetheless, something their team of capable cybersecurity professionals can handle. Air Canada further, and they're disclosing a data breach of employee and specific certain records. The flagship carrier of the Canadian, uh, we have a lot of friends here from Canada, disclosed a cyber incident this week in which criminals briefly obtained limited access to its internal systems. The airline is saying that it's forced passengers that's uh, come recently under fire for a whole bunch of stuff. However, an unauthorized group briefly obtained limited access to an internal Air Canada system related to limited personnel information of some employees and certain records. Those certain records are yet to know what they really fully are. They have since implemented further enhancements to your security measures. I'm sure you have, Air Canada. Um, so this is, I think, the second or third time Air Canada has fallen victim to a specific security incident. Again, the fact that they're leaving certain records of certain records just gives me an eerie feeling in my stomach. There's more to it than just that. So we'll keep up on Air Canada. We've actually reached out asking for information. We haven't gotten an answer yet. And if you thought Move It was dead, if you thought we're no longer going to talk about it, well, let's think again. 
the National Student Clearinghouse, an educational nonprofit that provides reporting, verification, and research services to colleges and universities in North America, is now the latest victim of the Move It breach. They've also said that that impacted 900 schools. 900 schools. This takes the victim list of the Move It breach to 2053 as of the 22nd of September, with 57 million people impacted due to it. In the data breach notification sent out to impacted individuals, the organization said the MoveIt server was hacked in late May, but it only determined on June 20th the CERN file storing information from the student record database had been stolen. A significant number of major organizations have also been part of this breach, but man, oh man, MoveIt is just, it keeps adding up and it's going to be significant. The government of Kuwait is in the process of recovering from a ransomware attack that affected its Ministry of Finance. The ransomware attack began on September 18th. Government officials immediately started separating uh, environments and shutting off affected systems. As of Monday, the Ministry of Finance said the country's National Cyber Center has been working around the clock to address the issue and has brought in help from cybersecurity companies as well as unnamed governments. The U.S. Uh, has a base still to this day in Kuwait, um, so unnamed governments would be the uh, U.S. team that's there. Since the first day of the cyber attack, we've been isolating the systems due to Ministry of Finance from the rest of the government agencies. They've formed a technical team consisting of several entities, including the National Cyber Center, all of that. The Rashida Ransomware Group added the ministry to its list of victims, giving the government seven days to pay an undisclosed ransom. I think the Rashida don't know history very well. Last time someone tried to ransom or hold Kuwait in hostage, it led to a Gulf War. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it bad of a joke? I'm practicing my dad jokes a lot more now. So there's there's that one. Kuwait for its end um, has also been victims of other ransomware attacks. And so we'll see if they'll pay this one out. The Hong Kong-based peer-to-peer digital asset transactional network Mixin has suspended deposits and withdrawals after criminals stole nearly $200 million. This happened in the early morning of September 23rd, Hong Kong, Hong Kong time. The, debate, the database of Mixin's network's cloud service provider was attacked by criminals, resulting in the loss of some assets on the mainnet, the platforms uh, announced. Mixon has also said it contacted Google and blockchain security firm Slowness to aid in the investigation of the attack and the deposit and withdrawal services have been suspended. The platform says that roughly 200 million worth of digital assets were drained, most of which represents Bitcoin. According to the blockchain tracker, however, the attackers stole at least 90 million in Ethereum and another 20 million in Tether. Mixon founder uh, Ziodong Feng said that the network is currently considering compensating users to up to 50% with the remaining to be paid in pond tokens that Mixon will repurchase using future profits. Uh, Crypto remains vulnerable, very, very, very vulnerable. And for that end, Shadow Syndicate are linked to multiple ransomware ops and at least 85 servers. This is coming after Group IP working together with Bridewell and independent researcher Michael Kosawara attributed with various degrees of confidence the Shadow, Shadow Syndicate's use of the Quantum Nokoya Black Cat Clop Royal Cactus to play ransomware in multiple breaches observed since July of last year. Based on the finding, they believe the threat actor could be an initial access broker, although evidence suggests that the Shadow Syndicate is an affiliate to multiple ransomware operations. They found as many as 85 IP servers, and uh, many of them, most of them, tagged as Cobalt Strike Command and Control Machines. So all the IPs are right here and available, um, and you can 
probably go ahead and start a change management order to block all of those IPs uh, in order to keep them out of there. Their infrastructure is placed in Panama, Cyprus, Russia, the Seychelles, Costa Rica, the Czech Republic, Belize, Bulgaria, Honduras, Netherlands, Martinique, Romania, and Moldova all have some access to this, and their servers are obviously uh, in, in incredibly uh, uh, effective. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back with a whole lot more tomorrow. Until then, have a great rest of your day, and most importantly, y'all, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.